It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome once again to CBJ 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets made their quick stop off at home to take on the Anaheim Ducks last night, and now it is back on the road, and this is going to be a very long road trip. The Blue Jackets will start in Seattle tomorrow night, first time ever. The Blue Jackets play the Kraken in Seattle. Then it's on to Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, and Buffalo before the Blue Jackets finally return home and play again at Nationwide Arena on December the 23rd. Coming up, I'm going to talk with Allison Lucan. You remember that name, right? Allison covered the Blue Jackets for many different outlets. She did some work with BlueJackets.com. She did most of her work for The Athletic. She is now in Seattle as an analyst for the Kraken, and I will get you the inside scoop on Seattle and on the Kraken team itself. But first, I want to tell you about Telhio Credit Union. Telhio Credit Union has everything that you need. You probably didn't know that. Maybe you did if you've listened to me for years to talk about them. Maybe you've gone to their website at telhio.org to see what they offer. They offer so many things. Personally, they have checking and savings accounts, and they have loans that will fit your needs. They offer personal services, and that puts their members first. That's right. They have business accounts, too. Award-winning business services. That team offers a variety of business loans and banking services to help you to grow your business. From new home loans and used car loans and everything in between. Also, Telhio Wealth Management is a relationship-based service. They seek to provide quality advice, effective implementation, and superior service to you. That's just some of the stuff they do. There's a lot more. Go to tellhio.org, click on the tabs, find out about their services, find out what fits you in that big question, the biggest question, what's the advantage to joining a credit union? The answer to that question is there as well. If you happen to be surfing during business hours and you can't find the answer to a question, there's a live chat option right there on the screen. Click on it. Somebody will pop up on your screen and help you through it. Tell Ohio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio. They are federally insured by NCUA. Now, as I promised, here's Allison Lucan. Well, Allison, it is great to be with you. Uh, you know, I had this circled on my calendar for a long, long time. I said, this has got to be the CBJ in 30, where Allison Lucan returns to the Blue Jackets podcast. Uh, of course, you were here for a long time before getting uh, to be part of the team with the Seattle Kraken. What's that whole transition and experience been like for you? Yeah, well, Bobby, first and foremost, it's so nice to be back. I miss you. I miss seeing you all the time. Um, it's great to be here with you. And it is fun to see these two teams meet because it's been strange. It's It's been funny to have to pay attention to a different jersey, to be honest, on the ice those first couple of games, particularly because Seattle played Columbus so early. I was like, no, no not those jerseys, the other jerseys, <laughs> but it's been, it's been really special to be part of a new team, a new organization. Very few of us get to do that um, professionally. And so I, I feel very, very lucky, um, but I miss, I miss my CBJ fam. Um, they'll forever hold a place in my heart. All people like you, people like the players who I got to know so well, and especially the fans are just, just awesome. And, and I continue to wish everyone in blue jackets land the best, except for Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot. I know a lot of people know your story, but it it is such an interesting journey 
from you basically going from a fan to now being an analyst for a team on their television broadcast and, and writing for them and, and all of that stuff. How did you do it? How did you make that transition that so many people would love to make? Yeah, you know, and it's it's funny. I don't know that I ever even dreamed or thought that this would be <laughs> where I would be. You know, I started writing about hockey because I was passionate about it. I was interested in it. Um, I'm a nerd, so I brought some numbers into it, but I also got to tell really cool stories. A lot of the first stories I wrote where I got actually paid for them were community stories. It was about going out, all the great stuff that the Blue Jackets Foundation did with the community, bringing in young players, giving back, starting hockey here in Columbus. And along the way, as I got more and more opportunity, you know, huge credit to people like Rob Mixer, who was with the team and, and gave me a shot to write for the team. Um, the people at Fox Sports who let me write, The Athletic, of course, Aaron Portsline. Um, along the way, you realize that to tell a story properly, you can't, the bias goes away, right? So the more you get interested in telling the story, I mean, you cheer for the good story and, and you cheer for these guys, you know, Bobby, we know the like players that we have come to know so well, you love to see them succeed. You love to see them be happy, but it's strange because the fandom truly goes away. Um, you don't become as focused on it's people tease me when I go to a hockey game. Now I don't really cheer. Like I just kind of, I take it in and I enjoy it, but you don't really cheer. And it was just uh, starting to focus on the game, focus on the story, loving every second of it. And then in terms of writing, I think that what I write about as much as you love it, you love all the analytics. Um, it, it love, those, me... love those high danger areas, Allison. I love <laughs> See, them. good job. You learned something. <laughs> but as, as much as that gave me a niche, you know, I'm just fortunate that the Kraken saw that and said, hey, we think you can tell these stories now in a different way. And I, it, it's still when I'm getting ready for, for a game show, I, I can't. I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe someone thought that, that I would be a good fit for this. But if you're interested in it, follow your passion, whatever it is, tell good stories, do good work, however it is. I mean, you did this, Bobby. This is how you became what you are, is you invested and committed and are now at the highest levels of the game because you've put in the time and, and always delivered at the top-notch quality. And that gets recognized and rewarded. And one of the most important things I think that you said there is when you were starting, you said some of the stories I first got paid for. And that's, look, everybody in today's world, everybody wants instant gratification and you want to get that job right away and you want to get paid for that job right away. And, and again, kudos to you because you knew that that just wasn't going to work that way, that there was going to be uh, a lot of stuff that you had to put in and, and you had to prove yourself. And and you're doing it at the NHL level. I, I mean, I got the, the privilege of doing it in the East Coast Hockey League and in the American Hockey League. And by the time you get here, you know, you, you kind of know how to be on your path. You're, you're trying to learn at the highest level. But, you know, how important was that to know that, listen, I'm not going to get paid for this stuff right away. I just like this is how I started it. I hope someday I can get paid what I'm worth to do this. And I've been fortunate enough that now I am. Is that how you looked at it? Oh, for sure. You know, and, and I was, I mean, Bobby, you've been a huge help to me my entire career, always in my corner, giving me tips, giving, you know, leading me into maybe handle this situation this way, bouncing questions before we ask them off one another. And I think that, again, this goes back to you have to want to do this job. So many people who don't have the privilege to do what we do say, oh, isn't it great to talk to the players? Well, hot tip. 
they, they don't really want to talk to us a lot of the time. And, and it's fun to cover a team when they sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's not fun to cover a team when they start 0-8 and, and fire their coach. And at the end of the day, this is a job. And so all of these little learning experiences have to go into it. And if you're like me, who came into this and did not have any professional training, didn't have any lower level, quote unquote, experience in this, you have to be humble enough to say, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so let me get an opportunity. Let me listen to people who know, and I'm still doing that now. I mean, good God, my audio, you probably even knew this. My audio engineer came up to me, one of my first broadcasts and said, I'm your A2. I said, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> That's the person who controls the sound in your, yeah. in your headset. Did not know this. Yeah. You want to be close to that person big time. <laughs> but, but you know, these are like, you just have to be willing to say that you don't know things. You have to listen to people who do and you have to acknowledge that if you're given that opportunity, you're going to have to earn the right to stick in a variety of ways. And sometimes that means you don't get paid right off the bat. You know, in listening to you say that and, and not trying to pretend you know everything, now you're on the television side of it too. And I think that's really important because those production people behind the scenes if you try to BS your way through and make it sound like, you know, everything about every, everything, they're going to sniff that out in a second and they're not going to help you to get better. But, but if you take the attitude that you just said, those people will be right there to help you along the way. And how big of a fear was it for you? They come to you and they talk about television being a part of your job. And, and that's not something you did on a regular basis. Uh, what were, I'm sure you were excited, but beyond that, what were your thoughts and, and maybe some of your fears on that? <laughs> well, I was clueless. And that's probably the only reason I said yes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I did a screen test for them. And when you do a screen test, you get to prepare. You, I knew what game I was talking about. I knew what players I was talking about. And that made, that made my first pregame show fine. And then what happens is you are watching a period of hockey and before the period of hockey is even over, you have to know what you're going to break down and analyze in this intermission show. And you have to, to your point, work with amazingly talented video editors, sound editors, producers, graphics team members to then have tangible but appropriately sized and timed snippets to convey the information you want to convey. And that first intermission was probably the most terrified I've ever been because I'd never been in that situation. And I will legit say, my husband's sick of me saying this, having to do this, anyone who wants to give people a hard time who do live work on hockey or any sport, don't come to me because it is, it is a whole nother world. And it, to your point, it takes a village. The best commentator you see on TV is powered by a ton of people and every single one of them deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah, it is. And you don't know that kind of until you're until you're on the inside. And yeah, it's easy to sit on Twitter and criticize. But <laughs> sit in the chair, right? Sit oh, in the my chair God. One time. Oh, my God. Like you're you're saying a play, particularly because this is a new team for me. Right. I mean, I knew the Blue Jackets not now because it's a whole new roster, but I knew the Blue Jackets like the back of my hand. And you're saying a player's name, particularly those early games, exhibition games, you're like, Eunice Donskoy, I think, I hope I just said it right. Yeah. You know, like you don't know. And it's, it, it is, and, and particularly stuff like you do, like real time. And I have said this to you for years. I'm going to say it on here again. Seriously, think about this for people who are listening. 
you don't have to just know your team. You have to know 32 teams in this league and know them instantly so that you can call a game at game speed. I could not do it. I don't know how you do it. It's impressive as hell. I mean, it really is. I asked John Forsland all the time how he does it. It's incredible. And just, again, like you said, it's easy to say things on Twitter. Try it. Yeah, just right. try it. <laughs> well, and you know what? You just brought up John Forsland. He's been on this show many times. He is, uh, I, if I think somebody says to me, okay, true pro, who you think of? John Forsland is at the top of my list. And I think he's at the top of his profession in this game. How valuable has it been for you to be around a guy like that? Because here's JT Brown as his color analyst during the games he's brand new he just got done playing and i would imagine johnny is doing a pretty good job of making sure everybody's comfortable and learning john is a godsend for us you know and i i was advised and rightly listen again like we were saying listen to people who knew better said you go talk to john forsland and you soak up every bit of advice he can give you and he's already given me tons of feedback you should do this don't say that handle this situation this way and above and beyond his knowledge and his ability, like you said, he is so invested in helping JT and I succeed. He, he is, he and JT are like two peas in a pod. They hang out together. That friendship, that partnership is really cool to watch. And it is a credit to John Forsland that his passion for this role, his passion for this sport, he couldn't do it any other way than to help those of us who've never done this before be as, as good as we can. And I think that's one of the greatest things about expansion teams. We're always talking about players, maybe your third line guy that gets a chance to be a top line guy or a second line guy. Yeah. With the players, we always talk about it, but for people like you, it creates more opportunities. It gets more people into the game in a big way. So um, look, I, can you have too many teams? Probably with the number of players it waters down the players, but uh, when it comes to me and you, you can never have enough teams. Exactly. And you know, it's, it's crazy. Like I said, when, when the opportunity came down, I, I literally kept saying, are you sure? Like are, me, me, never say that, never say that, <laughs> say yes. Yes. I'm in. Well, it was, it, it just, it was so far off my radar never anything I'd considered. So it's, it's very, it's very humbling that this opportunity has been extended to me. I'm very thankful. Talking with Allison Lucan, you know her so well for her time here in Columbus, writing for The Athletic and other publications and bluejackets.com. And now she's an analyst with the Seattle Kraken. All right, let's talk about, let's start with Seattle. I haven't been to Seattle. I was thinking about this the other day. 1990 was the last time I was Whee! in Seattle. I went, uh, my, my best friend from high school, his mother was living there. She had moved out there. And uh, I went to visit him before he went back to college. And I remember a couple of things. Um, he called off his, what was supposed to be his last day of work. We went to the kingdom when it was there at the time, we watched the A's in the Mariners and Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire were both on the A's team at the time. So wow. I was like thrilled to get to see that. And then on the way back, we decided instead of cabbing, like we got there, we were going to walk back to her condo and we stopped at almost every bar on the way. And I don't remember getting back, but anyway, that's the last time that I was in Seattle. It was a long, long time ago. Tell me about the city. Tell me about what we can expect when we land there. You know, it's, it's great. It's, it's funny. Um, yesterday, in fact, in particular, cause as the Winnipeg media came in, I was getting messages. It's it, yesterday. It was sunnier and warmer than it was in Columbus yesterday. Wow. So um, it, it's a beautiful part of the country. It's, it's that mountainous side. There's a lot of forestry that's amazing. It's a very diverse community. Um, they're very um, 
it's important for them to honor a lot of the Native American roots that are from that area, which I think is really cool. And the Kraken have taken over the city, which is awesome. You know, and, and a lot of people know hockey, but a lot of people are just like, this is cool. We have hockey. Like, we love it. It's cool. And there's a lot of great food. There's sushi. There's dim sum. Uh, I told Jeff Sabota that Shaq has a chicken place in the arena. He has to go find that. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a really unique community that has a little bit more old city feel to it because it's city proper is a little older than Columbus's is obviously. Um, but just a, a, a lot more diverse, um, a lot more walking. You can walk, just don't stop at every bar, Bobby. And you'll remember it this time. No, I, um, that's, that's, I'm way past that. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it will listen, it will rain. Um, but I, I, it's, it's really nice. It's really, really, it's a great city. Yeah, I, I checked the forecast and I will have an umbrella in my bag. There's no it's doubt fair. about that. Look, I always because do. We're going to Seattle, Vancouver. I mean, yeah, there's really, to. there's really good chance it's going to be wet. That's yes. just how it is. Um, what about some other things? There's Because we're going to get there, you know, we're there Friday, you know, just flying in after the game, uh, the home game with Anaheim, uh, the day Friday with practice on Friday. Tell me about the arena because I, I've heard such great things about it. Of course, it was an existing arena. They basically they basically tore it down and rebuilt it once again and, and made it better. What can we expect to see at Climate Pledge Arena? Yeah, so it's it's really amazing. Um, I was fortunate enough to see it this summer when it was still under construction. And the arena itself was built back when the World's Fair happened in Seattle, which is when the Space Needle was built, which is when the monorail, which I previously didn't know existed, that goes to the Space Needle was built. Um, and the arena had fallen out of favor. It was old. It wasn't a great venue for sports, let alone revenue generate other revenue generating stuff like concerts, things like we had seen at Nationwide Arena all the time. So the Kraken literally, the, it, it was a historic landmark because it's this beautiful piece of architecture and it was part of the World's Fair. They held up the roof and dug down to build an arena and built underneath city blocks to create the tunnel that goes to the loading dock. Like it's an architectural marvel in and of itself. And when you walk in, it's kind of like Calgary or even San Jose a little bit where you walk in at an upper level and you go down into the bowl. And so it's this really cool environment. The minute you walk in, um, I suggest if you have the time and for any fans who are going walk around that arena, that concourse one time, there's a lot of really unique, diverse, food outlets. The store is amazing. If you download, there is a Kraken app. Um, if you see anything you want to order or buy, you can order it on your phone and then just go pick it up. They'll text you when it's ready and you go pick it up. It's really cool. Um, the Perhaps the most unique thing, I'll be curious to see what you think of this, Bobby, though. They do not have one scoreboard. They have two. Hmm. And we call them the twins. So we have two scoreboards. They're triangles. And the trick is, depending on where you sit, don't look at the scoreboard in front of you. Look at the one across the arena from you because they are angled. Um, but it is, it is meant to be as environmentally sustainable as possible. Um, the rainwater that's collected on the roof turns into the ice surface. And they're doing all kinds of things with energy sources and recycling to try and make it as low impact to the environment as possible. It's really cool. I'm really looking forward to seeing it and, and being back there. And now... Every time you talk about Seattle or when it's featured, let's say NFL games featured Sunday night football, they always have the shots of the fish market. Is it worth going to the fish market? I think it's cool. And, you know, you can say you've been there. Um, there's also the original Starbucks is nearby. Um, I suggest checking out Top Pot Donuts. Very delicious. 
Um, but yeah, you should funny, go. Funny, funny you would tell me to go to a donut I, shop. Listen, I tell everyone, I tell everyone. Um, but there's also go, go down to the waterfront that's right there kind of by the public market. Um, there's lots of little ships and storefronts. And if you're coming with kids, um, you may already be on route, but their, um, their science museum, their version of a COSI is doing a whole exhibit on the science of hockey right now, which is pretty cool to check out too. All right. With Allison Lucan, analyst for the Seattle Kraken. All right, we've set it all up. All that's <laughs> left is to talk about the game in the two teams, and they haven't seen each other since the first weekend of the season. The Blue Jackets won that game in overtime. It was a Patrick Line game winner, and uh, Patrick Line is not in the lineup right now for the Blue Jackets. And look at Seattle. You know, Vegas spoiled everything. They really did. When they came in as an expansion team, the way they set it up, the way they took off, the fact they make the Stanley Cup final in their very first year, it really kind of uh, gave you the, the wrong look at an expansion team. Look, I really like what Ron Francis has done here with this team. Uh, this is not just a flash in the pan kind of thing. This is not a team that's going to be um, successful and then all of a sudden strapped to the salary cap for a couple of years. I think he made some very shrewd moves here. I think he got some very good players. You look up and down the roster. There are a lot of guys that are very recognizable. Jaden Schwartz, one of the top points leaders here is, I mean, he was with the St. Louis Blues for a long time. Uh, Jordan Everly leads him in goals with 12 uh, going into Thursday night's game. So a lot of recognizable names. I just like what he's put together. Uh, how do you like what he's put together? Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, you know, the, the other thing that, that Vegas spoiled was the ability to catch teams by surprise, right? Everyone figured out how to protect their roster more effectively, knowing that an expansion draft was coming. So the pickings relatively were a little more slim for Seattle than they were for Vegas. Um, but what I like that Ron Francis did too, in addition to his picks is there were some, like he could have picked the Dougie Hamilton, right? But that would have been a huge cap hit. And there were other teams where he could have made similar choices, maybe gone for the quote unquote, higher talent player from a team. But to your point, they would have been really strapped to the cap right from the get go. Ron Francis didn't know what this team exactly was going to look like when it came together. You and I have seen this, Bobby, the best laid plans. You bring in a player, you think it's going to work perfectly. It does not, <laughs> Jeff Carter. But, you know, but he didn't know what they were going to be. So he's given himself room and flexibility to make this team what it needs to be once he knows what the pieces he's got right now can do. And again, don't forget, this guy really put together the Carolina Hurricanes. What they've done in the last few years is tinkering around the roster that he had already drafted and was developing. So, uh, you know, Ronnie's not only just a Hall of Fame player, he's very smart general manager. And, and again, you have to start, in his case, he's starting an expansion team in a flat cap era because of COVID. So you have to leave that kind of flexibility, don't you? Absolutely. And, you know, it's what I think is really cool about this too is there was a lot of noise around Seattle has hired, and I stand by this, some of the smartest and quote unquote analytical minds that are available in the sports space today. But I think that Ron Francis has done a really good job, not just communicating this, but living this, that analytics are just another piece of the puzzle. They're not going to be a quote pure analytics team. You talked about how smart Ron Francis is. He knows the game. He knows what players need to bring in terms of what we can't measure. And he's letting those analytics inform, but not dictate. And I think that's really important too. Jody Shelley and I just talked to Yarmo Kekalainen the other day, and, and I know you've worked closely with Yarmo over the years. Is Ron similar in where Yarmo just said to us, look, he still trusts the eye test, but 
the numbers back up the eye test and that's the way he approaches it. Is Ron Francis the same way? Yeah, I think it's a very similar approach. And I think that, you know, I remember Yarmo coming to our Blue Jackets conference that we had a couple of years ago and he, he challenged a, a science-based community and said, tell me how you measure heart. Tell me how you measure these things. And I think, you know, when you look at who Ron Francis values and the kind of players he selected, he knows that that matters. And we've seen that matters. You know, Brandon Tanev is a huge part of this Kraken team right now. And he's basically the Brandon Dubinsky of this team right now, right? Like he's the energy guy. They, they almost skate exactly the same. You have to tell me if you agree, but they have that same kind of heads up first, first lob stride. And, um, he wants all the information available, just as I think Yarmo does, but he's not going to, he's going to put them all together and look at the complete picture and not just say only this and override everything else. Every piece of information has value. I'm glad you brought up Brandon Tanev because, uh, you know, I talked about the other guys who have, but Tanev's got points. Don't get me wrong, but I, the other guys are more high profile when it comes to that stuff. But this guy, I, I think every expansion team needs that guy from the beginning that, you know, as it goes on 10, 15 years from now, as we've seen with the blue jackets, 20 years, you're thinking back and you're going, you know, back in the early days, I loved. And I think Brandon Tanev is that guy, not just because of his headshots, but that'll help. But he, he really is a character player, isn't he? He is. And, you know, it, again, you look at this fan base, there's people who really know the game. There's people who really know the game, but at a different level, there's junior hockey. There has been the blue jackets have benefited from a lot of those Pacific Northwest junior hockey teams over the years. And then there's people who don't know the sport at all. So Brandon Tanev checks all those boxes, right? Because to your point, he's gotten on the score sheet. He plays with that. The eye test tells you, you see him trying, right? So that catches your eye. When you talk about a player who makes you notice him, that's what he does with how he plays. He's physical, which again, attracts attention. And then for people who don't know the game, they know he's got the flowing hair. They know he has the crazy headshot. They know he has the great quotes. You know, they know that he was there on expansion draft day. So I think Yanni Gord is probably right there with him, but because he was injured at the start of the season, maybe Brandon Tanev grabbed the spotlight a little sooner, rightly so. But this, you know, I remember back to that. This is why I make the reference. When Brandon Dubinsky first came to Columbus, that was a shot in the arm that this organization, this city needed. And Brandon Tanev is kind of capturing, capturing the spirit of the thing, as we like to say, right off the get-go. Thank you very much, Dickie Dunn, for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> slap shot. I love slap shot <laughs> references. Uh, I can't let you go without asking you about Alexander Wenberg. I mean, if there's one guy that you could go to and lean on early on, and, and we all like to have it. When I came here, I was so I, I was so lucky because there were 10 guys in the dressing room at the time that had been in Syracuse with me. And you go to those people and they let everybody else know that you're okay. Yeah, you can trust this person. They're they're one of us. They're cool. I imagine Alexander Wenberg was that person for you. He he's been great. And and Bobby, you know this, and I know you've talked about this too it's not really the same right now. We don't get to go into locker rooms and, and build those relationships as much, but it's crazy also because Wenberg's a dad now, like he's a little baby and um, you know, he's really come into his own. It's nice to see him own his game more. He's, he's the same Alexander Wenberg. And as I have said for years, if you know what kind of player he is, you're going to really value that. And he's got a bunch of Swedes there. So again, I'm like, Hey, you know, Alex, you know, how's it going? Or I've talked to Alex Wenberg about this. That's my little lead in. Um, but he, he's being Alexander Wenberg to a T um, and he's, he's playing exactly as he should, as he does. Um, what's been interesting to watch him flourish in this year is he's really been a big part of the power play. 
which has become one of the tops in the leagues this past week, uh, this past month, excuse me. So um, nice to see, you know, we always talk about his passing, um, but he is making the most of it, particularly on the power play. I can't believe he hasn't replaced his front tooth. No, he, okay. So here's the thing. He does have a fake. He just doesn't wear it all the time. Oh, I see. Cause I saw him when he was here. I talked to him right. earlier this season and, and I, I thought about saying it to him. Like, yeah. Like he's like a GQ model guy without a front tooth. Right. Well, well, at first I was like, I can't believe, because if now going way back down the rabbit hole, I remember he lost it in Detroit, right? It was yep. Detroit, I believe. And we talked to him about it and he had one of the implants that was the screw. And that's why he didn't get it replaced right away. Cause he had to go somewhere specific because it was a screw. But now I think he might've gotten the screw. I haven't asked him this specifically. I think he might've gotten the screw out because now he has the fake, which can't go in if you still have the screw, I think. Way, we know way more about dental technology yeah. than we should covering hockey, Bobby. I know this too. Alexander Wenberg is one of those guys that uh, if he has a tooth, he has a tooth. If he doesn't, it's not much difference. That's just how he is, you know? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> He's still it's got true. the pretty face. It doesn't it's matter. He has, he has a big fan following. We'll say that big yeah, fan following. Yeah, big, big. And, and, and he's playing really well. And, yeah. and when I look at his numbers, I go, yeah, well, that's him. 12 assists. That's right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's right. what he does. That's what he does. That's Allison. Right. Thank you so much. It is great to catch up with you. And I'm glad we, we told your story because we've never really told your story. Your story has gone to another level now. So now it's more of a complete story <laughs> than it was before. And, uh, and I love it. Thanks for telling that story. Thanks for getting us prepped on the city of Seattle and for the Blue Jackets in the Kraken. And uh, always great to talk with you. Well, it's great to talk with you, Bobby. I tell you this all the time. I'll say it on the air. You're a big part of that story. And I appreciate you. And I'm so glad that we stay friends and that we talk and um, continue to always wish the best for you and love to see you succeed. Well, thank you very much. And someday I'm going to understand that 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 red and blue chart that you put on there. The, the, it's the not weather, a rain map. Not the, a rain the weather map. map. The weather map. <laughs> It might be this weekend. I was to say, well, depending on where the blue is, it may be. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Allison, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Bobby. That is Allison Lucan. She has come a long way from a Blue Jackets fan to an analyst for the Seattle Kraken. The Blue Jackets and the Kraken are going to play the final game of their two-game season series. The Blue Jackets, again, they took game one on the second game of the season at Nationwide Arena, winning in overtime. And the first game ever at Climate Pledge Arena is going to be tomorrow night. That game faces off at 10 o'clock Eastern time. And that means that our pregame coverage will begin at 9.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network and on Valley Sports Ohio. That'll do it for today's edition of CBJ 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. I hope you have a great rest of your Friday and get ready for the Blue Jackets and the Kraken tomorrow. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.